When I was 12, my parents had two talks with me. One was the usual birds and the bees. Well, I really didn't get the usual version. Good morning and welcome to our second edition of the The Hate You Give podcast. With me today, I have Mrs. Ellison, our writing coach. Yes, welcome. I'm so glad to be here. And Ms. Peterson, one of our reading teachers. Good morning. So we're going to talk through chapter two and three. Uh, I'm so excited to talk about this chapter, these chapters, and because the real action started, it's not just the party, and also because the quote that I picked out for this week that really stood out to me um, hit me in two ways. We're reading this from Star's perspective. So I hear this quote that it's something her mother says to her, and I hear it being said to her. And then also as a parent, I can hear myself saying it to a child. Um, so it's an interesting thing for me in that I hear it from two perspectives. And so I'm really excited to talk about this. Again, today we're going to talk about a quote and we're going to do four things with it in Lectio Divina. So we're going to start with what is actually going on literal in, the, in this point in the book, then allegorical. How is this like something else in the world or in another text? And then personal, how do you relate to it in your life? And I have a big personal connection this week. And then fourth is based on our conversation, what are we called to do? So my quote from page 26, the beginning of chapter three is, she rubs my back and speaks in hushed tones that tell lies. It's all right, baby. It's all right. So literally what is going on in this point in the book is that Khalil has been shot and killed by Officer 115. Um, And Star held him while he died. And her parents have now come and she's sitting at the back of the ambulance and her mom is there trying to comfort her. Step two, how does this remind you of anything else. The it's all right, baby, it's all right. She speaks in hushed tones that tell lies. What does that remind you guys of? Well, I think I, I so I haven't read yet, which I'm excited <laughs> because now I'm getting excited to read it. So thanks for the podcast opportunity to do that. Um, it reminds me of a lot of movies or TV shows where a person has come upon their loved one dying or um, an officer is trying to treat a victim and they say it's going to be okay even though they know the person's going to die but it's that that hope that they seem to be instilled in them that they want it to be okay and so they but they lie to the person so that they'll maybe die peacefully or they'll die with hope or something and here star is going to survive she's not injured but her her mother is saying it to her her mother is saying it to her about the fact that her friend has just died and the truth is her life isn't going to be the same. She just watched her friend die. So Star knows that this is a lie, but also feels like it's exactly what she needs to hear. Right. What is your take, Ms. Peterson? Well, I mean, I think it's what we all do when, when something terrible happens and we don't know what to say, but we want the person to know that we're there. And, mm-hmm. and they will be all right in the long term, but it's not necessarily... I mean, right then in that moment. So, I mean, I, I always think of this when I'm comforting, even as a, a teacher, as a mm-hmm. parent, as a friend. I mean, any role in your life, 
when someone's going through a hard time and you don't know what to say and you're just right. trying to comfort them and let right. them know really it's I think it's more like I'm here right then it's all right yeah you know? I absolutely. mean I'm not sure it's like you're the words aren't really they well, don't you, fit literal quite. and you never right. know what, really what to say because the situation is so traumatic mm-hmm. absolutely that you're thinking whatever I say is going to be wrong anyway yeah, it's like words are not enough here. Right. And so I'm just going to comfort any way I know how. Right. And that brings me to number three, the what does it feel like in your life? You know, um, my daughter, much more minor, but she broke her arm when she was like one and a half. She fell off a swing set and broke her arm. And I was holding her and telling her, you know, that this pain will go away and that she will be okay. And of course she is today. But that's a real pain that a kiss from mommy is not going to make better. Um, well, it's not going to make it go away, but it may make you feel better. It, emotionally. kisses always make things feel better. Yes. Emotionally, it helps. And I think that's what her mom is doing here is comforting her. Emo- emotionally, I can fix the. I, I can be here for you as you work to fix it, even if right now it's not okay. And, you know, that brings me to our step four and our call to action as well in that right now, Star doesn't feel okay. And I saw this thing the other day on social media about what we say to people when, we're, when we don't have the right words. And when somebody's upset and going through something and you just say, you'll get through it and it'll be all right. And, and that does say I'm here, but it also almost di- dismisses sometimes what the person oh, yeah. is going through to mm-hmm. the person going through it. And so some of the alternatives on the other side were like, I know that this is hard, but that you are strong and together we'll get through it. And so I'm called to think of other ways and other phrases and to look at people who are in pain and going through something that is really hard and in this case unjust as well and say, I am here, I care. And I want to help however that is. It's almost like the person who says, I know it's hard. I think when I hear that is like, you have no idea how that it's hard. Right. So sometimes I want to say, I bet this is hard for you right now. Oh, I like that. Right? I like, so I bet instead of I know. Right. Because I don't know. These, I think students these days and adults, the, tra- the trauma that happens today is mm-hmm. unlike things when I grew up. In, in my opinion. And I think that there are times I don't know what they're going through. I don't know how hard it is. But I can look at their faces or I can look at their situation and think, man, this must be really hard for you right now. And yeah. because I, I want you to know, I'm, I'm here to hear, help you carry your pain, right? Yeah. I'm here to help whatever I can do. I like that phrase too, mm-hmm. to help you carry your pain. It feels like a weight, doesn't it, when we're in right. pain? I've never been in a situation like Star where I was standing next to her when a friend or standing next to a friend when they were shot unjustly. By, by anybody, right? So right. I've never been in that situation. So I, I don't know how hard it is for Star. That's true. Um, I've never I watched you, someone die, even though I've had people close to me right. who died. But I bet that's a really difficult situation. Mm-hmm. I need to read chapters one through three. I'm very excited now. <laughs> Thank you. If you're behind, catch up. Um, and that's okay. Read it whatever pace you want, and the podcast will be here. What about you? Ms. Well, Peterson? I'm just I'm looking at the context of of the quote too and I'm really relating as the parent of a teen. Mm-hmm. And same thing, hasn't struggled with having a friend die in her arms, but other major issues, trauma that teens go through and 
the helplessness that parents can feel because you mm. can't make it better mm-hmm. right but you know her parents carry her to bed they help her undress they you know they hold her they they walk alongside of her and almost that's, like she's little again right and and that's all you can do is as a parent is walk alongside and but they have to they're growing up they have right. to go through it and so I'll be own. the support that right. you need but I'm just next to you right what a great illustration too of, mm-hmm. and I like what you said that as parents even as teachers I think sometimes we feel hopeless mm-hmm. or helpless in the situation mm-hmm. I think we hopeless we, I think we always have hope because we've been we're on the other side of trauma but in that situation we're just hoping that the kid will receive whatever help we can offer and so that they know mm-hmm. that we're there to walk through that muck and mire with them. I think yes. that's interesting because we do know it will be all right. right. Someday. Someday. Because There's a wider world than high school. But when you're young, you just don't see that. And mm-hmm. saying that to someone at that age isn't You know, my mother-in-law had knee surgery replacement. And I remember the first when she did the first time, she thought, my world is over. Why did I do this? The pain is unbearable. And once she got through that one and it was healed, she goes, wow, my knee feels better. And so she had the other one done, which she was not going to do. And then that second one healed much faster. And oh, that's awesome. we talked about it and we said that the reason it healed faster is because she already knew what that pain looked like. Mm-hmm. And she, this time she saw the light at the end of the tunnel. Like she knew that there was another side to it. But wow. when she went through the first time, she didn't know it. So I think sometimes when we go through trauma, not that we want to go through it again. Right. But once you get through the first one, at any stage, which is why I think, like, when your daughter broke her arm mm-hmm. at such a young age, that built some kind of resilience in her, you mm-hmm. know, that grit, because she's like, realized, I had some great pain, but I got through it. She did. So now maybe as she gets older, the same thing will happen. And it makes me feel, because the father has been through it all. Yes. Oh. And not only that, but this right. is, we learn, not right. the first time that Star has been through this either. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you haven't read yet, no more spoilers there other than that. <laughs> But it's not the first time. And later in the chapter, it closes with Star looking at her mother and saying, she stares at me, but it feels like she's looking at who I used to be. Her little girl with ponytails and snaggle tooth who swore she was a Powerpuff girl. Uh, It's weird, but also kind of like a blanket I want to get wrapped up in. Uh, Ms. Peters talked about, you know, her parents walking alongside of her and helping her. And that is the the security blanket and being there for them. And so it sounds like that is the right move. And I am called to just make sure to try to be there for as many of our students and my own personal um, friends and loved ones as well. And I hope that I can walk next to them and share their load of pain. Um, I have goosebumps now. Like, that that's powerful. And I love this um, – I'm going to catch up now. (laughs) (laughs) Final thoughts? Well, and that final thing, it actually takes me back to the house on Mango Street and Sandra Cisneros because she has a chapter where she talks about she's all those ages. Mm. Like when she turns 10, she feels like she's still one, two, three, four, five. And I've said that to my own children. Mm -hmm. I've said, you know, I still see you as one and two and three and four and five. I see you as every age, not just who you are today. I see every age. Wow. What yeah. a great connection. Mm-hmm. So I look forward to reading more. And um, if you guys are interested in the prizes throughout the book, please comment on the podcast. Also, just to let us know your thoughts. I'd love to continue the conversation on Edsby or Twitter. Um, have a great day. Thank you.